Welcome to the Sustainable Business Podcast, where we feature business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable. I'm your host, Will Richardson. And today, I'm joined by Rachel Boland, Head of Sustainability at Engine UK. Engine has been a client of Green Element since 2008. They began their sustainability journey much earlier than most businesses. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Will. Lovely to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm excited. Um, To start off with, can you tell us a bit about Engine and what you do, please? So I am Head of Sustainability for Engine UK. And in my role, I am responsible for moving our overarching strategy, which spans our in-house operational carbon emission reduction work, um, and which also looks at our client work processes and what we're doing in that area, and also um, in the context of our influence, both with our clients and with the industry. Brilliant. And in terms of your journey at Engine, you started as operations manager. So how how did you get to be head of sustainability and why was that important to you? So I was operations manager for a number of years and in that capacity, I was responsible for the, if you like, the experience, the employee and the client experience with Engine, within the building, working at Engine. And as part of that role, I was also responsible and um, involved in a number of projects and initiatives that were rolled out over the years in, you know, in an effort to obviously improve the business and how we behaved and um, to make it as positive an experience as possible for people coming into the building. And I looked after a number of um, key supplier relationships, one uh, and partners, uh, one of which was with yourself, Green Element, from an early stage. And we um, had an opportunity to developed that over the years through the work we started to do on our environmental management system from an early stage. So my involvement with Green Element and with that work in that space gained momentum as the years went on and as the needs of the business in this space grew over time. Not only not only from the clients who were looking uh, for us to, you know, to improve what we were doing in this space, but also internally, there was an internal desire to to move things forward. Okay. And so Engine has prioritised sustainability, and we can see that through your environmental management system. Can you explain what that is and what motivated you to implement environmental best practice? So from an early stage, as far back as 2002, 2009, we started to look more closely at our carbon footprint. And a lot of this was driven by tenders and RFIs that were coming in from clients looking to understand the contributions we were making, what we were doing internally, how we were playing our part in helping to measure our carbon footprint and play our part in the, in, in the environmental space. But what happened around that time, um, and uh, there was uh, marketing a new business manager, Elenka Lawrence, and I'm sure you remember her. She was instrumental in putting in place 
our internal initiative, which was called Our Little Bit. And that initiative was lovely. It helped put a, a kind of a narrative around what we were doing. So not only were we focusing on the community and the people, but we were also focusing on the environment. So they were our three pillars and they really kind of helped us move forward and start to build momentum. So, you know, the, the clients looking um, looking for us to share what we were doing internally as a business, which, you know, obviously increasingly over the years has aligned more and more with how they're behaving as a business. Um, so too did the kind of internal desire within Engine to be better, to better ourselves uh, and to do what we, we could. And all of this really helped inform the strategies that we ended up putting in place over the years, which have um, have gathered some really positive momentum. Yeah, you've always, you guys have always been really, really good at um, minimizing your environmental impact. I remember quite early on having a meeting with your architects that had um, kind of designed the space for you guys. And I was really confused because SIBSI, the Charleston Institute for Building survey engineers yeah. have this um thing that they think that so much energy per meter squared and you were really bad in adverted commas and i couldn't work it out and what we realized was you weren't really bad in actual fact you were incredibly efficient of your space so you had loads of people in a smaller space than most people would have Therefore, you had more energy per meter squared. So actually, normalizing your data through FT, you know, full-time equivalent was a much more pertinent strategy. And it just it just showed very early on how good, you know, you guys were from an environmental perspective. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think, you know, together with the the, the, the strategies and the measures we put in place, whether that was key messaging that we put up around the business to help to help with the behavioral kind of nudging of individuals in the business or visitors coming into the building, of course. Um, zip taps, which we put in place, removing under desk bins and the single use plastic, investing in our energy management system to ensure that it was running more efficiently. All of these phases that we went through, all of these strategies and all of these measures that we put in place really helped to, to kind of increasingly build that story and build that momentum. So we always wanted to kind of build on that and move on to the next stage and challenge ourselves even more. So when, when I had the opportunity to move into the role and, you, you know, I could see clearly uh, through the responses we were sending through to clients and also the, the CSR assessments which were coming through. So Ecovadis, CDP, they're all brilliant, but they all, you know, they, they put you through your paces. So, you know, they really do <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> push you to a point where, yeah, you can kind of go, yay, I've done this. But then the next question, you'll be like, oh, rubbish, you know, should have done that or should be doing better. But that's not a bad thing because this is a continual journey. This is, you know, th there's no end point as far as I'm concerned. It, it It is a journey you go on and you are continually improving. You're continually checking yourself. You're continually measuring. And measuring is, is really, really key uh, to all of this. So 
I would say thank you to the clients, thank you to the CSR assessments, thank you to the enthusiasm that, uh, you know, we've managed to, to get from people internally to help move this forward. Because putting the, the strategy in place by widening our net to not, to not just look at our in-house, to properly look at how, as a business, how we do business, the work we're producing, the influence, the position of influence is, is just really, really important to leverage on those, um, um, on those three areas for engine. Such a wonderful way to look at the um, long and arduous surveys that you've got to put through with CDP and Ecovardis, etc. Yeah, that's a lesson learned for all of us to put the positive slant to um, them. Definitely, <laughs> um, definitely. Engine has committed to achieving net zero by 2050. Now, essentially, that that means that all greenhouse gas emissions generated by Engine across its operations will need to be matched by the removal of the same number of emissions by 2050. What has Engine actually put in place to meet that commitment? So as part of our climate action plan, we have a cl- an important uh, climate action item, which is aligning ourselves with the Science-Based Target Initiative. And that again will mean we're in our stretch zone because we need to properly dive in further to our scope three emissions, which are going to be really key in helping us to make those proper big leaps forward um, in this space. So again, that informs the measures we're putting in place. We have been running an assessment over the last few months on uh, you know, on trying to understand more what people need in terms of learning and skills internally to properly embed sustainability into their work. We have developed a supplier and ethical procurement policy, which we'll be rolling out hopefully in the coming months and ensuring that all our suppliers, not just our, our you know, our big in-house suppliers, but all our suppliers right across the board are aligning with our values, with with what is ingrained in our code of conduct, in our supplier code of conduct, and in how we behave as a business. Um, And that's all really important. And obviously, the sustainable production work, which we have also uh, been on a journey with for over a year now, is, is a big part of that. And really kind of helping to take clients on that journey, it's the influence piece comes into play so much because you need them to engage, you need them to be on board, you need them to see the value in not only uh, creating great work and helping their business to grow, but it's, it's, for me, it's about positive outcomes. That's where we need to get to. It is about growth, yeah. but, but more importantly, it is about positive outcomes and that needs to be the, the, the change in mindset over the coming years yeah but i think i think what's great is because you've embraced sustainability for such a long time and um truly manage it well that thinking is quite natural yeah. to you guys yes um and it's great that you're doing all these things but it's important to tell everyone you are now how are you communicating engines net zero commitment to your you know, workforce, customers and clients, etc. Yeah. So we are continuing to do it through our RFIs, of which they're coming through and, uh, you know, to in a much more granular way. It's not just 
it is no longer a tick box exercise. They are looking for evidence. They are looking for a roadmap. They are looking you know, for you to explain in detail what you are doing, the strategies in place, what lies ahead, and how you will add value to their sustainability uh, strategy and ambitions as well. Uh, we are also, we've published in September our carbon reduction plan uh, on the back of a our relationship with, our, with the government. So uh, that is significant. And within the carbon reduction plan, we have aligned ourselves with the science-based target initiative of which we look forward to uh, going through the official verification process in the coming months and also we communicate through through the intermediaries so we do a lot of presentation work so we've had to present our credentials around what we're doing around sustainability so whether that is directly with clients in a pitch process or it's you know, with consultants who are acting as intermediaries with clients, we need to show that we are engaged, um, not least with initiatives such as AdNet Zero, uh, which you're all too familiar with, of course, and which has really inspired much of the work and the direction which we've taken over the last year, especially. Something that businesses have to start addressing now is the carbon emissions being generated from staff working from home especially during these COVID years. Yeah. Now, does Engine have plans to address this? Yes, as part of our Scope 3 emission work, we will be diving deeper into our working from home emissions. And because of the the change in how we work, so pre-COVID, we had a fluid working model policy in place, but obviously with COVID, that massively accelerated. We went to work from home, and then we have now retained the the hybrid style of working, which obviously makes us very efficient as a business. So, you know, we were achieving, we were working uh, at 100% efficiency and achieving all of the results when we were purely working from home. But now in our hybrid style of working, we're working in still a, a far more efficient way and able to, you know, take advantage and leverage all of the fantastic collaboration, virtual collaboration tools, which we have in place. It obviously minimizes the need to travel, to use paper, to use energy, all of the things, the knock-on effect uh, with being more efficient with your day and your movements during the course of the week um, really feeds into that. And Engine is also an official supporter of AdNet Zero. Yes. The Advertising Association's initiative to encourage an industry-wide reduction of carbon emissions. And actually, Green Element helped the association to develop a climate strategy for this project. And they were keen to encourage the industry to go beyond just target setting. Could you run us through your experience of AdNet Zero and how it helps Engine? Definitely. Um, Ad Net Zero uh, is something I started to engage with towards the end of 2019. Uh, and after a, a deeper understanding of their plan and their action plan, their five-point action plan, which is, as you know, incredibly comprehensive and so accessible. I mean, anyone in the industry, mm, just yeah. the way the report was put together and, you know, high five to Green Element in there as well, because I know you were key in bringing that information and sharing that information with the industry. It is 
it is just only inspirational and only makes you want to get on board, which was exactly what happened. So a significant part of the engine business is focused around the advertising world. And as part of that, there was no question in my mind that we had to 100% lean in to add net zero. It, it is the industry-wide initiative. It made sense to be a part of it, to help with the collaboration, to support where we could, to add value where we could, whether that was um, through the networking collaboration or the data side of things, but also, you know, to to give our opinion, to to support them in the steering group, which I sit on, working action group one focused on reducing advertising uh, emissions associated with the the operational side of things, all of this has been really beneficial. And AdNet Zero, as a collaborative initiative, is going to be key in helping the industry move to the next stage. You can have leaders, but you 100% need followers. And without the followers, you just don't have a movement as far as I'm concerned. So it's, it's, it's got to be everyone working together in a collective mindset, sharing, learning, and humbling experience kind of way because, you know, we all need to stay, for me, we all need to bring each other on this journey at the same pace, at the same time. Because if if one of us fires ahead and then everyone else is left behind, then it's meaningless what we're trying to do. It will only work if if there is everybody at the same level with the same momentum. And I think that's what they've done really well, isn't it? That the, having those different working groups and having different people sit on working groups from different organisations. I myself sit on one of them. And I think, you know, in hindsight, looking back at what they've done, it's genius. And actually, it should be replicated in other industries because they've almost embraced everyone and brought them all in on that journey. I mean, it certainly helps. You've got people like Joe Coombs there that's so passionate about sustainability and has been for so many years, decades. And so, and so bright and so articulate and so good at um, seeing where the future of it is. And then you've got people like Stephen Woodford that's really pleased, sees that vision and totally gets it. Uh, You know, as a senior leader, you can't get more on it than him so i think i don't know i love it i love it i think um so many industries can learn from it <laughs> oh no i 100 percent agree and i think one of the loveliest things i would consider myself myself still in comparison to all those people you've mentioned and more will relatively new in this space you know in all earnest um you do there yourself are an experts. Injustice. Well, <laughs> you know what? What is so lovely about the Adnet Zero Initiative, and I do hope it is the same for other industry initiatives, is that it is so everybody feels like they're on the same level. There is no hierarchical feeling, and everyone's opinion counts. Everyone has a right to to lean in and share and express how they feel and input. And I think it is. It is a very lovely level playing field, very collective, very positive initiative, which I would 100% encourage everyone in the industry to engage with. Yeah, it comes from the top, though. All this, all that kind of stuff does come from the top, doesn't it? it that culture. It, it does. And, you know, I think, uh, gosh, I, I think 
if I knew then, and I kind of go back a few years in Engine, what I know now, I would have helped to accelerate this journey uh, earlier. And I think if there's something, uh, you know, one of few things I could say and share on this uh, on this podcast is that start the journey as early as possible as you can, and absolutely to your point, will engage the top, but engage the people. But engaging the top just helps to move it forward. Um, I'd like to think that it's a no-brainer um, in this day and age. I don't think that's unfortunately probably the case in every business, but I think it has to be. Um, we are going to wake up with a horribly rude awakening. I mean, th there have already been so many. <laughs> it's kind of extraordinarily, extraordinary in light of that, that not everyone is kind of moving forward at the same pace, but I, I think we're moving forward. We're definitely... We're definitely pushing forward. There are lots of there are lots of voices. There are lots of business leaders. There are lots of people across every industry really passionate about this. But we need more more key influencers moving into place and leading the charge. And those key influ influencers will really they'll get the followers. Absolutely, and that top down um, is is imperative as you, as you said. Yes. Um, now we've kind of touched upon this a bit, but do you get an opportunity to learn from others and share your own experiences it, within the industry? Yeah, and um, because you have, you yourself have learned so much, and you've touched upon the fact that um, you're learning from others within AdNet Zero kind of ecosystem, but maybe outside that in in different. So talking to different industries, clients, or yes, so. I have spoken to other uh, consultants who are focused in different areas. So there is Wonder Room, who's led, which is led by Marie Cahill, and she is hugely focused on nature and biodiversity. That is her, her, she is a sustainability business leader through and through, but that is her specific area of passion and focus at the moment. So I am hoping to engage with her in the coming months, years, because the work that she's doing is fantastic, but also looking at our competitors and talking to our competitors and understanding the journey they've been on and, you know, the barriers to kind of getting to the next stage. I think that's really important to understand and share them. So you can kind of, you know, work to kind of help move forward faster by kind of being able to anticipate better the the barriers or the you know the obstacles that might lie ahead um but also i'm very involved in the uh, cambridge institute for sustainability leadership now because i am doing uh, further studies with them and through that i'm now uh communicating with people right across the world in such a number of industries who have incredible uh wealth of knowledge and different perspectives and different experiences and different thought processes. So all of that is going to massively help enrich and deepen my understanding and the work that I do will be even better informed from understanding it from a global context as well, which is really important um, in all of this. That course is brilliant. Um, oh, my gosh. I know a few people who lead on it, who um, teach on it, but actually Jem Forkus, who is the CEO of Firefish, another client of ours, he's on it um, at the moment. So you may come across 
I'll, I'll, I'll look out for it. There are a lot of us. They, they've, they've, I mean, it's excellent. It's so well put together. I mean, I, I can't believe I attend virtual uh, campus uh, during the week, but it, <laughs> it, it happens. And you've got your working groups and your sharing sessions and plenty of reading. Um, so he may be in my working group or not. I'll look out for him. <laughs> mm. I could probably brilliant, hunt around. I'll, I'll hunt around oh, the campus. Brilliant guy. Very good fun. Uh, again, actually, funnily enough, one of our first ever customers, I started working for him actually just before Engine 2006. Um, and, um, but brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so with everything you've learnt, <laughs> uh, they're the best, aren't they? Yeah. Because um, you look after each other in the long-term ones. <laughs> Definitely. With everything you've learnt, what have been the biggest challenges in Engine's environmental journey? Ooh. <laughs> So I would say change in leadership has been a tricky one. And, you know, that is why I think it is so important to embed it at an early stage so that it becomes what the business is about rather than, oh, this is something else we do. So uh, look, every business goes through, you know, goes through change. It goes through phases and that happens particularly the bigger businesses. But I would say that has probably been, you know, a little bit of a challenge, if I can be honest, because you are obviously doing a lot of work with and collaborating with a leadership team. And then if there's a change, a significant change, that can affect the pace at which things are going, particularly if you're still relatively early on in the journey of trying to really build it into the business strategy, because that's what you need to do. It, it, it needs to be like we've already said, and I know it, it is repeated, but it is so important that it is from the top down. It has to be part of the business strategy. And if it's not, then you're more vulnerable because when there are those changes, things get thrown around a little. So I, I think for consistency, for continuity. And you also want to become a business that, that, that people recognize as being, they do this, but they're really, they're quite purpose-led. You know, they want, this is a business that clearly strives for positive outcomes. You want, you want your business these days to be synonymous with a sustainable world, with a business that is properly leaning in. And that should stick that should not change, you know, irrespective of who is leading at the time or employees coming and going. I mean, of course, that is the other, you know, when you have churn in a business, that's tricky because I have a climate action group. And, you know, by September, October, there were 20 of us. Uh, but because they're, you know, they, they lean into it uh, from different parts of the business. And obviously, when there's churn and if people leave, then that changes the kind of the flow of things within the group and how things are moving forward. Now, my, my presence doesn't change, uh, so I can keep things moving forward, but it obviously makes a difference when some key influences within the business are no longer there. So I, I, think, I think just all the more reason to build it into your DNA. That's where it has to sit. Absolutely. I actually blame myself a bit. Um, for the senior leadership not being involved from day one because I was quite new and young and immature 
to what it was that I was doing. And you know, I've told, I've spoken about this before, and um, because now I'm much more forceful because I know what I'm. I like I trust what I'm talking about, and I think back then I was possibly led more by clients, and clients naturally don't bring leadership in. Whereas if you look at the fourteen thousand one standard and you look at all the literature around it, even back then it was always senior leadership need to be a part of the initial steps. And um, I think I think you're spot on with that being advice and learnings because it can't it doesn't have the longevity if you don't have senior leadership buy-in. But I think you're being way too hard on yourself, by the way, Will. Just as <laughs> you've said that before, but I still <laughs> I think I, I think you can always learn though, and that's how that's how you get better, isn't it? Um, would you have any advice for businesses looking to do the same? Start measuring. Start measuring start now and amazing advice don't be afraid to push don't be afraid to be proactive don't be afraid to have uncomfortable conversations with people you perhaps think may not necessarily be completely in the space or want to totally hear everything you have to say i think there's one thing about this journey once people start on it it's incredibly difficult for them to say, actually, sorry, no, I'm not interested anymore. It's not one of those products which you go off or services which you go off. It is something that is going to determine whether or not our, you know, the, our children or the next generations are going to have in any way a decent life in years to come, in any way. So there is a modicum of hope that we can, by pulling together, make this happen. So I would say, be as bold as you like, start measuring, move it forward as fast as you can, and don't be afraid. Because there are plenty of businesses that want to do this and that want to move forward. And the point is, if you are, do not future-proof your business with with moving wholeheartedly and wholeheartedly embracing sustainability, then you are going to be on the back foot very, very soon. Brilliant, brilliant advice. Rachel, Direct. thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. And so lovely, lovely to be here. And thank you, Will. This has been a special case study episode of the Sustainable Business Podcast from Green Element. If you'd like more details, there are links to our webpage in the show description. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please don't forget to join our post-podcast discussion at sustainabilitysolve.org, a special online community where you can share ideas, views and comments. That's sustainabilitysolved.org. Now, thank you so much and see you again next time. <laughs>